Okay, we're rolling. You had a dream? Hmm. Yeah, I had a dream last night. I actually woke up in the middle of the night just very disturbed by um, some things that that happened. Um, And I had a hard time getting back to sleep. And but then I, I did fall back asleep. And when I fell back asleep, I had a dream where you were standing, <coughs> you were standing in line, uh, getting ready to do our podcast. And you were second in line and you were waiting. And I was outside of the line. And I said to you, I think we need to connect before the podcast. And you, you came out, you came out of the line and you came over to me and you said, I am David Winnesuppy or Wasipi or something like it sounded very Native American Mm -hmm. and that this was your name. And you said, I am, I am David Winnesaki or Winnesuppi of the second nation. And I I heard you, I saw you, and then I started to cry, like mm. intensely. And I, the cry was from my heart, mm. and I could feel it inside of my heart. And I cried so hard that I woke up. I woke up crying. And I kept crying as when I like literally woke up. And I knew this mo- morning when I woke up that, oh my God, I have to come out like we're coming out as i i as native american (laughs) as who we are i identify as native american (laughs) but yeah you know like i mean i think i think because of this experience that you just had Mm -hmm. and i think just i mean i think the experiences i'm having i think something's happening for both of us what's happening I think we're stepping into a deeper level of truthfulness of who we are. And Mm. I think it's, um, I mean, I'm having um, moments of contraction, you know, Mm -hmm. where I kind of freak out. And then I come back in and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. And people are going to not like it or, you know, hate me or think I'm bad or think we're, what we're doing is something it's just not good. And, right. And that I have to be able to stand in it and stand in my, my truth and my goodness in this place, you know, with as much of an open heart as I possibly can. That's, and I think that that's, I don't know. I see that happening for you. I mean, you just. Sans the open heart. <laughs> my heart's not open. I'm ready to murder and kill everybody. Oh my God. Gets in my way. Well, you, you should have an open heart. No. One of us needs to have an open heart. I mean, I think that it doesn't... That is my open heart. Yeah. I can have an open heart. And still that way. kill yeah. people. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I'll, I'll say more about my experience at Sundance, but uh, we're coming out more. Well, I guess... In, I, I assume that you're saying this in part... Uh, reacting to the the last podcast yeah 
How was that for you? You got a lot of feedback? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think just in general, I think that how was it for me? It was the experience was um, huge, you know, like it was. What do you mean? What happened? I think that there was something in me that, that, that I guess what I'm saying, like I'm, I'm coming out more with my truth, you know, and not just holding back. And I have to say what it is that I want. I have to say mm-hmm. what I think or what I feel, you know, I have to, I have to be willing to say, speak, speak, you know, and I think on, on some level, that's a very vulnerable thing for me to do. Right. And to do it in a way that is as truthful as I can possibly be, um, regardless of what, how people are going to react. And I think in general, I think that my, um, the way that people project things onto me uh-huh. has been more of a positive thing. Like, you know, they, they generally project things that are positive onto me. Like what? Like, I'm loving, I'm nurturing, I'm kind, I'm gentle, I'm um understanding. Understanding, I'm not judgmental. Mm-hmm. I'm um uh you know that that I might think a certain way, mm-hmm. like think like them, mm-hmm. you know, that I might uh that they might assume certain actions that I would take that would be similar to them that I think are surprising for some people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they learn something that's different about me, and I reveal something that's different about me that doesn't go along w- with what their narrative uh, is, but also what I have projected out, you know, what mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have, you know, what what I've sh- kind of hidden in some way, Yeah, that when I come out, it's um, it's surprising to people. And maybe in some way, it feels like a betrayal. And that's not, that's not wrong. I don't think that they're wrong to think that in some way because I have been hiding and, um, you know, for reasons in my history, my childhood, you know, that, that I've talked ad infinitum about, you know, but that they're not, they're not serving me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're serving peop- other people, even the people that I am helping, right. you know, to to the, do to do this work. Like I don't think that it's helping people, even my family, to mm. to stay hidden, to mm-hmm. stay small, to stay young, and to stay in a lie, you know, on some level. And I feel like I want to apologize, you know, to people that I have done that to because it it is a defense you know and Mm -hmm. um it is you know I know that you've gotten a lot of backlash for the way that maybe that you defend you know Mm -hmm. but there is a way that I also defend that I think people even listening to this podcast like they I it's very easy for people to be mad at you but I think people have also been mad at me you know um, and they're, there's, they've been saying it, they've been more vocal. Like, why didn't you stand up for Dave to Dave? Why, you know, why aren't you speaking more? Why aren't you saying the things, you know, like s- 
like having any kind of reaction and mm-hmm. some of that is you know just actually like i i don't but some of it is definitely i i've gotten frozen i've gotten scared i've gotten you know i've i've gone into some kind of defense and so now i i just i don't know it feels like i'm not sure that i'm not not going into that place but right. i feel much more aware of it and likely to choose not to go there. Um, so I guess that's what I mean by coming out. And, and you know, in some of these reactions to the po- last podcast that we did, I mean, I had a lot of support. We had a lot of support, you know, um, just in, in uh, I mean, I just was speaking to someone today who really valued our last podcast and what we what we both brought and then i also had people who um really were very triggered and um triggered by you triggered by me triggered by that uh that i would even be working with somebody like you you know like it's, like me yeah like What's you like me um that people people are projecting their that that you are in some way abusive you mm-hmm. know and um that i would be choosing to do this podcast to work with you is a reflection on me and my poor uh choices probably you know mm. i mean that's not the words that they're using but that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting mm-hmm. you know and um you know, I, I guess to that, I want to say there's something on this podcast, you know, that's like, it's, this is, this was not something that I ever really wanted to do, you know, it was just something that I, I did. And then eventually it was like, okay, because you kept asking me and you were like, Let, let's do this. But then upon doing it, I was like, wow, I'm really getting something from this and I'm really learning something about myself and mm-hmm. about, and and there's something I think that we're both modeling, but uh, you know, I to, in order for me to come out and say things on a podcast, it's, it's different than when you and I are just interacting. In some ways, it's different when you and I are interacting just privately. Right. And there's a lot that people don't see about you and about me in mm-hmm. in that, and. I feel very um, strongly that I want people to understand I am taking a stand for us, you and my partnership, but for you Mm -hmm. and for your goodness Mm -hmm. and that there are certain things that people do hear and see on this podcast, but there are a lot of things that they do not see and will never see Mm -hmm. and hear. Things, the ways that you, you, the ways that you've been supportive of me and my 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 being my Mm -hmm. process Mm -hmm. my family like my friendships my my marriage like Mm -hmm. i mean i i remember this i i could cry just thinking about how supportive you've been with me and ferd i mean it's it's so beautiful and your heart is always i mean it feels like to me like you i i feel your love you know it's Mm -hmm. not that's that's not uh in question to me um and so you know and i have seen 
you know, we, we've had so many experiences together that people will never know about, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> like what we've gone through, what we've grown through, is, right. it's pr- profound. And there's a way in which both you and I, I think, are doing um, work on ourselves in a way that kind of parallels each other, you know, and um, and so I'm th- I'm grateful for that too because I get to witness your process and you're witnessing mine, mm. and I think that uh, in that way, it's just been a mutually incredibly supportive relationship that I'm not I'm not giving up, I'm mm. not letting go of, and. Mm. Uh, I'm putting my stake in the ground, you know, mm. this is, this is, you know, I'm here. And so, um, yeah. And if I have to have more fights with you, I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to figure this shit out. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate it. You saying all that? I'm not sure what to say. Mm. I feel, I, I, honestly, my experience at Sundance was so powerful. It was so intense. It it did something to me that all of the negative transference and criticism and just the nonsense of all of it, 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 it it's like a joke to me now. Mm. It doesn't. It, it's not impacting me the same way. Something got cleaned out. Um, I feel like I, I aligned. I mean, that's the purpose, I think, of Sundance, of the experience. And I'll, I'll get into it. I'll describe the whole thing. We're not talking about a film festival. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it, it, The idea of it, I think, or at least in one level, is to strip you down break you down physically, psychologically, emotionally, so that there's, there's nowhere else to go, but to, to God. And so Mm -hmm. I was left with that. And, uh, it's, it's really interesting to not feel, I I still, I still feel the pull of the, of the matrix, so to speak, you know, I get on Twitter and I can still feel the, the outrage or the, you know, the, the judgments, but, um, I feel more connected to what it is that I'm doing and what it is that I'm standing for and how I'm doing it than, than ever before. And all of the noise and the criticism and the judgments and the places where people don't like people just, it's, it's really simple. People don't understand. They just don't understand. And they make judgments based on that lack of understanding. And, and I understand, Mm -hmm. you know, why, why they do that. But when I can hold that, in my consciousness, you know, when, when certain judgments are coming and, and even if they're right, like, Oh, he's, you know, an asshole or he's aggressive or whatever it is. It's like, okay, well, um, there's, I mean, the, the man who crow dog, crow dog's paradise. That's where I was. You know, the, the, who died last year, the most famous medicine man chief in, in, in the United States, Native American medicine man chief over the last 30 years, uh, 
is the it also the most beloved, revered, respected, honored. He inspired so many people. He was a notorious fucking asshole. Mm. And brought chaos wherever he went and was, people would, I'm sure uh, certain people would classify him as quote unquote abusive. Uh, But he was up to something bigger. And uh, I I relate to that energy and uh, it's necessary in the world. And uh, there's, there's, uh, it's easy to get caught in, in the, in the, the, all of that judgment and criticism it, they're all ego games and uh and it's i can get pulled into it as well but some something got separated for me mm. um and uh it wasn't easy but uh i feel less uh susceptible to that kind of uh uh, th- that kind of judgment, that kind of criticism, um, which is, it, it, it's also a, a way, an attempt for it, it, the, the, the unconscious intention is to keep me small. That's what that energy wants to do. It wants to keep me small. It wants to say, like, you're wrong, you're bad, you're not doing it right. And it's shameful. It's shaming in in a way. And uh, and that's fine. It's it's all projection. But in the place where I can get caught into it or or even defend against it is is you know, that's my own stuff. Mm. And so that's, that's what I felt like more than anything got, I don't want to say it got cleared, but something got cleaned out in a way. And and there's more space for me to feel, uh, who I am or the complexities of what it means to be human, Mm. the good, the bad, the ugly, the messy, the cruel, the loving, the fierce, all of it. So, can I ask you, um, like how, I mean, I guess I feel like I want, like, this is the first time that we're seeing each other since that podcast. We didn't, we wouldn't, we didn't even, we weren't together in that yeah. last podcast. So it's, I just feel like I, I want to connect with you. Like, how mm-hmm. do you feel with me? How do you, um, how do I feel with you? Yeah. I th- I feel like there's more conversations to have. Uh, I think there's more truth that needs to come out between us in terms of how we're working together and the and the business that we're creating. Uh, I I feel like I, I got a lot of clarity about that as as well. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want I want more of your truth. Mm. I want to know, you know, what you think and what you feel. And I also, I guess, yeah, I mean, the takeaway for me is, um, I want more direct action. 
like the, the i mean if we're gonna like have the conversation this this whole like this has been a, a tension point i think between us where you have this well be patient allow it to come you know you felt pushed by me and and i've got that feedback from from other people um and maybe that's the tension between the masculine and the feminine the being and the doing that both things are necessary um but i feel very strongly about taking massive action i i don't want to be passive mm-hmm. and uh i want to be aggressive uh in how we pursue this um i'm 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 all for you know uh law of attraction and I, I believe in in that but also i you know i think there's something to be said for you know really putting ourselves and our work out there in, in a big way and uh and going after it i think that's the only way to succeed and i want to succeed i want to be successful i want our workshops to be sold out. I want them to be big. I want to have an impact. I want people to know me and us and this work. And I want to be bold about it, I guess. So I I don't know. And I, I feel some, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, I, I mean, where you stand with that. You want to know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but more than I want to know, it's like it, it it's like it, I guess there's a lot of I I feel like I have and maybe I'm that there's a lot of living in the conceptual. There's a lot of talking about things, and and maybe this is even relative to the work uh, that there's a lot of uh, talking about issues and not enough action. Because if you want to change your life, you have to do things. You have to actually change your life. If you want to lose weight, you have to eat less food and you have to exercise. You have to do these things. And I think there's a there's a bias or a, a, in in maybe an unconscious way that that the work has been approached. And maybe it's just my own shit, but it's like it's a lot of analyzing and deconstructing and figuring out the why. And there's a there's a game that gets played there. It's a very compelling game. The why trying to get to the bottom of the why. And we're both very good at it. But we don't have the results. The results is the only thing that fucking matters. At the end of the day, isn't it? Isn't the results the thing that matters? So I'm aware yeah. that the last time in the last podcast, you asked me um, what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You wanted me to get clear. Yeah. And I did. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't have a pod. Did we, we, didn't, we didn't talk no. about that. No. Um, I, I, I shared with you on, uh, on a phone call. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I got clear on as my number one thing yeah. like number one and number two right was that one i want to have a good relationship with you right personally and business-wise like i want that that feels like a non-negotiable to me right and i don't feel that we have that there's some some way it's like i don't want this business uh-huh. I, like this what's the point 
And you had said to me, oh, that's so interesting. Like I could have a business and not have a good relationship with you, you know? And I was like, yeah, I don't want that. Right. I feel very clear about that. And number two, that I want to feel that there is a commitment mm-hmm. and that I, that there's not this feeling like you're going to leave at any moment. But why do you feel that I'm going to leave at any moment? Well, Where's because, my lack of commitment? Well, because I would argue that you have the lack of commitment. You could argue that, yeah. but, be, but it could also be because I feel somehow, and I said to this to you, like in one of our last conversations, you said to me like, oh, I might move to Oaxaca. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and you, you told me like, okay, that's not for another few years, you know? Yeah. But you didn't say that in that conversation. And so when you say things like this, mm-hmm. I, inside of me, I freak out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why don't you say something? Because I want you to feel like you have freedom. Why? Why don't you just say how you feel? When I say I want to move to Oaxaca, why don't you say, what the fuck does that mean? Well, I will now. I'm saying it right now. Okay. <laughs> and I did say it and you did say, okay, I didn't mean, you know, I didn't mean today. But these are things that are super important to me, not non-negotiable to me. And I, you know, I, I talked about it today. Like I want to have a business agreement, like written down, like, like we have things, expectations, you know, like what it, what it is that you and I are willing and not willing to do for this business and to have an agreement that I think will serve us in our business and personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting clear on these things. If we have that, I will do anything. Like there's, there's a way in which like that, this is for me, I'm, I'm in it. Okay. Well, so, so am I, I mean, okay. But this place where I'm not committed, I, I, I mean, I don't know what, where, what, like, how am I not committed? I mean, I got the, I, I found this space. I know, I'm but working you, my the, ass off. I understand, but you know that your track record is to find a space and then leave. <laughs> you know, like, well, I can't. What am I going to leave you? I'm not going to. I'm also I honor my commitments. Do I not? We, but we have not been clear about what this commitment actually is. Oh, we got a three-year lease on this space. So it's like, I'm gonna, I'm here for at least three years and we're going to give it... I think that's what I said at the beginning. It's just like, let's hammer this out. Let's work our asses off and you know for three years and see where we're at. Okay. Isn't that what I said? I, I must have not gotten that. Uh, it, it, you, you, you did say something like that, mm-hmm. but energetically it feels to me like you say it and you mean it in the moment that you say it Mm -hmm. and then energetically it feels to me like you leave like you go you go somewhere where do i go you go you go out you you're like wait i don't want to do this anymore like what am i thinking you know like this is crazy i don't want to work with this crazy woman like you know that there's some i said i want to, i don't i've never said or implied that no, what are you talking not, about you've not said it specifically i've never even thought, had that thought really i don't want to work with this crazy woman okay but have you ever had the thought that you don't want to do this anymore i i always have that it's a pain in the ass it's but, just like it's where i don't want to work i hate work work sucks <laughs> And I feel that I'm, on I'm some kidding, level. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's it, the responsibility of everything sometimes, and that I don't that I don't want. And but maybe it's just the, it's the setup, right? It's just it's I like I need help, and and maybe there's a way that I haven't been able to ask for the help that I need. This has come up in my relationship, and 
Um, and so then I, when I don't ask for the help that I need, that I, 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 then I silently resent or I want to leave. And so mm. there's, yeah, there's specific mm. things that I want and there's help that I need. And, uh, that's all. Mm. Okay. I feel, I feel often overwhelmed. I feel like whether this is true or not, I feel like the burden falls on me. Right. Because when you say things like, <clears throat> I, like, I'm following you. Right. Right. It's like, well, uh-huh. then the burden is on me. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, well, f- you know, yeah, like it, that's, it, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like, but yeah, I, 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 I would also say there's like, pl- like there's places where I feel like you disappear. Yeah. That's, I know that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have this a same feeling of well are you in this are you in this in the way that I want to be in, that I'm in this or the way you know the vision that I have and and like do do you actually understand like the what it's going to be right so it's you know I the the analogy that I use because it's the thing that I understand is if you want a successful business. Uh, there's a period of time where it's going to be like you're the lead on a one-hour TV show, which is a tremendous amount of work and responsibility and energy that you have to focus on one thing. No other thing. No other thing. Like for a, a, a extended period of time. And then once the thing gets rolling, there's there's a kind of relaxation. You know, but the first year or two when you're building something, it's just like it's it's a lot of work and intensity. And uh, I think that's the only way to get there. I don't know anybody who's successful that hasn't had that experience. There's literally zero people who are successful. They all say the same thing. No, I worked my fucking ass off night and day for a number of years. And I get, you know, are you willing? And and, and just to know what what are you willing? If you're, if you're not, that's fine. Like there's, there's, there's obviously a business that we have together and there's, there's something that I'm doing on my own. Right. And so, and it's all connected. It's all one thing. And so it's, I'm not asking you to have the same level of commitment as I am, but I want to know what level of commitment that, that you have and how much work you're willing to put into it and what, you know, or, or what's the help we need and, you know, all the rest of it. Like, what's the plan? Because I I have I have big expectations. I you know I want a lot of things. I want success. I want money. I want uh, uh yeah. I want success. I want I want I don't want to be small. I'm not interested in being small. Mm-hmm. I want to have an impact, and I want to have land and place you know where people can come to. I want it to you know I want to for our workshops our work to be um in part of the fabric of the marketplace of this kind of work this whatever you want to call healing modality and that um that we are in the top echelon of of that and uh, we're not obviously the only the best. I'm not. We don't need to be the best, but it's like that. You know that there's there's a lot that's out there. But we're we're known that our workshops sell out. 
that we're in demand. And we should be because our work is great and it's powerful. And there's nothing, nobody else out there, save Anne and a few others, that are doing what we're doing. So we're completely unique. Nobody's doing what we're doing, right? There's a lot of people out there doing breath work and all different kinds of things. And I know the marketplace is saturated with all of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, you know, when I started out this shit 15 years ago, there's no, nobody was going to fucking workshops. It's not a thing. Self-development was like for hippies. Now it's everywhere. Everybody's going. And we're in, you know, we're in the Hollywood of healers right now here in Austin, Texas. And it's it, everybody's doing things like this. So the marketplace has become saturated with all and it's gone mainstream. And so it's a little, it's different than when we were starting out. And so it, it, I think it actually requires a different kind of um, commitment and approach than, than what we learned. Mm-hmm. That's all. I, I don't know if that's true, like what you're saying, like in terms of the market being saturated, I think that there's a lot more awareness about it than it than it than ever before. But I think that we're still uh, I think that you and I are very aware of what the the market, you know, what what this uh, what am I trying to say? Like the, we're aware of the growth that's happening in uh-huh. the arena that we're working in. Right. But I would venture to say that that's, you know, our awareness of it makes it seem like it's saturated. I don't think that that's Maybe. Yeah. necessarily true. Yeah, it's true. It's a selection bias. Um, in terms of my willingness to work, mm-hmm. my willingness to work goes right along with, um, I think what I said before, our relationship and the commitment, number one. And the thing that I'm most aware of, and I think what what came out of the last podcast when you asked me what I want, Mm -hmm. you know, that there is a way that I have been following you, you know, following your vision, and that I actually also had a vision, very clear vision for our work. And it wasn't... uh, it wasn't opposite of yours. It, w- it was actually, I saw land. I saw uh, like a kind mm-hmm. of retreat center. I saw um, yeah, some kind of center. And, you know, when Ferd and I went to Marfa this past weekend, um, we were we were on this land. And it I was like, oh my God. Like Ferd was actually said, he was like, oh, this could be like a model for what you and Dave are doing. And I was like, yeah. So these are these are things that are in my consciousness now. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing for me is that I have to keep getting clear about what I want. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have kind of given that, I don't know, responsibility that um, the onus has been on you. Like, what do you want, Dave? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want? And I, I really love hearing that from people. You know, I know this about myself. I always want to know what people want. And it's very, uh, I feel very excited by it. I feel very motivated by it. However, I'm getting very clear that there is some way in which I'm being asked by many people what I want. Mm -hmm. And that it's not always easy for me to come up with what I want. And I think part of the reason for that is because 
it always feels like there's something wrong with what I want and that it's not, uh, it's not good. It's not okay. It's, you know, and so the, I guess what I'm saying is that the thing that I am most willing to do right now is just tell you what I want and get as clear as I can and, and that we sit down and we iron out an agreement about what, what it is that we both want and mm-hmm. what, what it is that we're both willing to do, mm-hmm. what it is that we are um, going for mm-hmm. and, and a plan moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel willing to okay. do right now. All right. We can do that. Okay. That feels good. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk about Sundance? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I'm in, I think I'm, I don't know what's going on. I'm definitely in, I got sick afterward. I think I had oh. COVID. Oh shit. Are I you still I'm, sick? No, nah, I'm over it, but I'm a little tired. Um, I mean, I tested negative oh. repeatedly for COVID, but it was the exact same symptoms that I that I had when I had COVID the first time. So I'm not I'm not really sure. Oh, this you know mostly this I couldn't swallow and uh, headache. So, but I I tested negative four times. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure what's what's going on. Maybe I just had some infection, but. Mm. So I got sick after afterward, and that that created issues for me, because um, I didn't feel good, and uh, but I definitely am in some kind of contraction. I mean, I, I feel like the whole experience it was like I got turned over, shaken violently for eight days, mm. and then set back down, and I'm still recalibrating. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I, I think it was the most intense experience of my life. Mm. Uh, the anticipation of it is enough to terrify you. The unknown, the sweat lodges were so fucking hot on the first day, it terrified me. And, you know, the, the idea of the sweat lodge, so there's, the, the, the ceremony starts and I'll, I'll with it's four days of purification. Mm-hmm. Can, I want to just start off by asking, like, yeah. can you can you say what the purpose, the intention of Sundance is? And it's a uh, it's a four day ceremony. It's really an it's it's more of an eight eight day ceremony. It's really twelve days, but the the main part of it is four day ceremony where you are the dancers are in an arbor there's a tree in the middle that is covered in prayer ties and flags a tree that is cut down and brought in new each year and uh it's cut down and brought in mhm and how is it placed it's it's uh what do you mean i mean you it's cut down. So it's a big. So it's a big. It's a big arbor. Okay. So it's, and the arbor is probably 70, 80 yards across. It's round. Mm. And uh, and then there's a shaded part of the arbor on the you know the perimeter where the the supporters stand. And in the middle of the arbor is a tree. 
And each year they find a tree somewhere nearby, an appropriate tree. And uh, they go out and uh, we cut down the tree. It's a whole ceremony. It's like 300 of us go out, all the dancers, every dancer gets a chance with the ax to take a couple of cracks at the tree, swings at the tree with the ax. So we're all part of chopping it down. And then when the, and then there's obviously they've tied ropes around the tree. So when the tree starts to fall, we slowly lower it Mm. and then we carry it. We carry, we, you know, the tree falls and it's a big tree. It's not, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you can wrap your arms around the base of it, but just barely. It's a, it's a, it's a substantial size tree. And why, why cut down a tree? Uh, the, it's, that's the, the sacred symbol of the Sundance is the tree, the tree of life. So that's, Mm. that's at the middle of, of the arbor. That's the whole, the the tree is the thing. Mm. So you cut down this tree. And then uh, you carry it back to the arbor, which is a whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. literally, you're literally carrying this tree. It's probably at least, I want to say 10, 12 meters high. And uh, you carry it back to the reservation. People are, you know, singing. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. All the chiefs are there. And then uh, you lay it down, um, not on the ground, on these stilts. And uh, the old tree, every and that has been removed at this point, and we all we all did that before we chopped down the new one, and uh, and then we've every dancer has made uh, 405 prayer ties, and prayer ties are little, uh, it's tobacco in fabric, little you know little one inch by one inch fabric pieces, and they're all tied in a string, 405 prayer ties, and you. Um, you wrap those prayer ties around the tree. So all your prayers go on the tree, all the dancers' mm-hmm. prayers. And, and there's also flags, prayer flags. And and there's all other, other kinds of things that they put on the tree. And, and so there's a whole ceremony around that. And then every dancer attaches their rope to the tree and that rope is how you'll be pierced later in the ceremony so you your rope is attached to the tree you you mark it in some way to know that it's yours and then the tree is raised and that's a whole again a whole ceremony the tree is raised up it's buried in the ground Mm. and uh and that's tree day that's the day before the fourth day of purification the day before the ceremony officially begins and, uh, and then, uh, you, yeah, every, for four days, you, there's no food and, and they say no water and I don't, I don't know that anybody doesn't drink any water. I'm sure some do maybe, but not when it's 103 degrees. <laughs> um, so we drank a little bit of uh, choke cherry tea every night, cold tea on ice, uh, which helped, but you're parched mm. you're there's no spit in your mouth for the first day you're fine but then the, by the second day there's just there's no spit it's it's very disconcerting how thirsty you are and what that does to you uh physically psychologically no food obviously 
and uh, you dance uh, in the arbor. It's, it's you're not really dancing like the way you see Native Americans dance in a in a powwow, for instance. Although some people are dancing like that, uh, it's more like it's a little kind of step, and um, you're in a line in a row with a number of other dancers and there's several lines in rows and there's formations and you dance to the West and you dance to the East and there's different rounds have different themes. There's healing rounds and piercing rounds and each one has its own formation and its own, I mean, it's all Sundance music, but there's different songs for different aspects of the ceremony. And, and the rounds last anywhere from, you know, maybe the shortest round might be an hour 15, hour and a half, up to two and a half, three hours. Mm. The, some of the piercing rounds are quite long. Um, and when you say dancing, what, what, what are, what are the movements? No, you're just, it's, you're just, it's kind of a step. It's just like, so you're just kind of stepping with the beat. You're just kind of lifting your feet a little bit Mm -hmm. and you can put as much pizzazz into that as you like. And and at different times of the ceremony, you, you might put more pizzazz in, into it than others, but you're out there to survive. (laughs) Uh So the, the recommendation is don't get too excited. You're out here for four fucking days in the hot sun, you know, save your energy. Um, which is good advice, but every once in a while you get carried away and because the, the music's very, very powerful. Mm. Uh, so, you know, and you have breaks in between these rounds. Like you, you go back to, a, a, you know, the, the dancers have a, a shaded part of the arbor where we're allowed to relax and, uh, we're, we're not supposed to lay down, but everybody's crashed out, you know, napping and, and, but that's its own thing. Like the dreams that you have, these lucid dreams when you're lying down and they're, they're powerful, man. It, the mm. whole, the whole thing is it's, 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 yeah, it's physically extremely challenging in large part because of, uh, at least in this dance, the, the elements, uh, well, the first morning of the dance, South Dakota gets very cold in the morning so the first morning was fucking freezing mm. and we are wearing the men at least are wearing we're, we're just wearing skirts mm. so we're shirtless um and it's a very you know people are dressed very beautifully and colorfully right um so the skirts everybody's skirts are you know not everybody but you know most people take great care in in uh, making their skirts or having their skirts made so they're very Colorful. Did you have your skirt made? I had two skirts made, and then I had two skirts made for me, mm. and they were the very, very beautiful uh, skirts. And then you have um, you wear a crown of sage that's wrapped in red fabric, and then you have wristlets and anklets of sage that are wrapped in red fabric, and then you have eagle feathers that sort of stick out of your the crown on your head. And you, most people have, uh, you have usually a pendant, a very colorful pendant around your neck and also, uh, a eagle wing or turkey wing or hawk wing fan Mm. in your right hand. And so, and the women are dressed in, uh, dresses with shawls and, uh, all quite colorful and beautiful and it's. Probably the ratio is 65, 35 men to women. So this, and there's 250, 300 dancers out there. It's, it's, and you know, the tree is color covered in colorful prayer ties. I mean, it's a spectacle. It's, Mm. it's, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. It's stunning. 
right? Um, and it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a prayer. The whole thing is it's prayer. That's what you're there to do. You're there to pray for four days. You pray, and it's all about the tree. The tree is the center, and you're praying to the tree, hmm. uh, praying to spirit. And there are supporters around as There's well. Su- yeah, you're how you're, many? Lots of supporters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the of course it's a whole operation. So you most people you stay in a camp just like you would in a, a festival, and each camp has its own kitchen and infrastructure, and you're you're camping out and tenting. And uh, so I stayed with in Eric's camp, and uh, uh, you know there's camps all over the place. There's thousands of people there. Uh, or at least by the end, there's thousands. Um, probably on the last day, there's yeah, probably a couple couple thousand people. Maybe this year was smaller than when I was there the last time. The last time I was there three four years ago, the arbor was completely filled uh, with spectators on the last day. This time it, it was only really a third filled. I, I don't know why there was less people there, but well, that so, makes sense after after COVID. I or... guess yeah, it was about maybe like probably 1500 people total there. And, um, and it's a mix, it's a mix of all kinds of people. I mean, you're on an Indian reservation. So obviously there's a lot of native American people there. There's a lot of, uh, Spanish speaking people there, uh, coming up from Colombia and Mexico. Um, a lot of white people, Germans, um, not Japanese this year, but very often there's a, there's a Japanese contingent that comes. So it's very international. This, this Sundance in particular is, is the biggest one in the country. And, uh, it was the first one to allow non-natives. So it's, it's created this tradition of being international and, you know, and it's, it's big for better, or for worse. You know, some people might say that the purity of this ceremony, uh, is compromised, because of the size of it, mm. uh, that may be true. And there's people there dancing for all kinds of reasons. You can't police every single person's intentions. Uh, you can't control what everybody's doing. I mean, people may be going back to their camp and eating pork chops and drinking beer. You, you have no idea, right. right? So ultimate, which I I like that. Like you're you're you know you 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 have to be with yourself. And and what it, were you dancing for? Or can you say? Uh, well, I think in large part I was dancing for Yoshi. Mm. You know, I danced with his mm. Eagle Wing fan and my teacher who had a stroke uh, two and a half months ago. But, you know, you know, dancing for... You know, you're supposed to dance for the people. That's you there. You don't dance for yourself. You make 405 prayer ties, 404 for the people, and then one is for you. Um, so I guess in some way I was, I'm dancing the way I thought about it. I'm dancing to purify myself so that I can be a, uh, of better service to the people that I'm working with Mm. really. And, and all of those around me, um, there's a way that I've dedicated myself to the work that I do, uh, in, you know, it's a, a big dedication you know, there's, there's, I've been very dedicated, but there, you know, there was still a place where I was not dedicated. And so this, this feels like for me, this is the, I'm all in now. There's, uh, 
this is a full commitment. And it feels that way. Mm-hmm. It feels like I've entered into some other dimension with this path. It's hard to describe the red road. It, the same way it's hard to describe ayahuasca, or it's even just hard to describe our workshops to anybody who hasn't experienced it. Um, it's a, it's just a felt experience. It's the sweat lodges, the just the, the music, all of it, it. It adds up to something. It's its own technology, and it 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 impacts you. It it affects you. It changes you. It gives you insight into yourself and the world and the nature of reality for me is totally unique. So I feel completely changed and humbled by the experience. I feel agitated. I feel, uh, maybe that's just part of the contraction. I, I feel a real intolerance for bullshit like my own (laughs) and anyone else's. Like I can, I feel this, uh, yeah, I don't want to put up with any bullshit. And something, something got cleaned out. I'm just like, I can't, there's no time for bullshit. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but that's, you know, that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's brutal. It's, it's physically, emotionally brutal. Um, it's challenging. It's very masculine. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not that people aren't, people are very supportive and, uh, but it's not soft. Mm -hmm. So first, first morning, I mean, you get there. I was terrified of the sweat lodges. Sweat lodges are a little bit smaller than what I'm used to. So you're, you're jammed in there. I don't know what to expect. I don't know how hot they're going to be. I mean, here in Texas, I'm, I don't know how the sweat lodges could get any fucking hotter than the ones that Eric puts on, but who knows? Well, and also you, I know you have a little bit of claustrophobia. Yeah. I get claustrophobic. I don't like being in confined spaces. It's dark. (laughs) And you know, the first morning of purification, uh, I think it was three 34 in the morning. Uh, they come over the intercom and sweat lot dancers, sweat lodges are ready. And just, you're woken up and I was terrified. It's like you're in the army and Eric, you know, my sponsor, he is like, we want to get down there fast. You know, let's get in the first sweat lodge or try. I mean, he, you know, he's not waiting, he's going, but he's, that's his recommendation because otherwise you're waiting in line. There's a lot of dancers. So I'm up, you know, put on my shorts, quick pee, and then I'm running down there and get in the first lodge with, uh, chief Luis. And, uh, he's, you know, there's seven stones already in there and they're big stones and it's already fucking hot. And there's no water been poured. And that, that's always edgy when the stones are in and it's already hot. Like it's already uncomfortably mm-hmm. hot. Like, oh, this is hot. And they haven't even started pouring water on it. And the flap is still open. So, and uh, he's like, oh, I need two more stones. 
two more. Bring, bring me two more stones. I go, fuck, okay. You know, jammed in there. And I feel the guy beside me start to squirm. And there's a conversation happening, and it's in German. And then uh, Chief is, what's going on? He's a Spanish chief from uh, Mexico. Oh, I think uh, I think uh, he's going to have to leave. No, no, nobody's leaving. Just relax, just relax. Think of a time when you were a child, you had a toy that you loved to play with. Just think of that. Close the door, let's go. <laughs> and then just like door closes, water goes on, and he just starts saying, ah, yeah, yeah, ah, like. <laughs> and it gets fucking hot super quick. And chief is singing i don't know when he's gonna stop i don't know how many songs he's gonna sing i don't know how many rounds we're gonna do. i don't know anything all i know is i'm in here and it's fucking hot and the dude beside me is freaking out i'm freaking out <laughs> i'm barely holding on i know in my lodge i you know i know how long it's gonna go basically all right i know the routine and this lodge i don't know anything so you know, finally he stops singing. The flap comes up. He wants to do another round. So we do another round. I get through that, but it's like, it's unnerving. Mm. I'm scared. Very scared. It, it, by the way, it's 3.34 in the morning. It's pitch fucking black outside. So I go back. I go back to bed. But I'm just lying there. And then that night, of course, is lodges in the morning and the evening. That's part of the purification. And... And I was told, oh, the first day, seven stones, second day, 14, third day, 21, last day, 28. I'm like, well, this was seven, and I just got fucking blown out. So t- what, tomorrow, 14? What the fuck? And so I get back there in the evening, and man, that everybody's talking about how fucking hot the lodges are. I see the flaps opening. People are falling out. Steam's coming out. Like everyone's like, ah, it's all anybody could talk about. And I'm like, okay, at least I'm not the only one. Same thing happens. I get in this, this lodge. It's so fucking hot. The dude beside me, I start squirming and the dude beside me grabs onto me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I've never had anybody grab onto me, but he's like grabbing onto me. And I can't tell if he's like trying to, like he feels me squirming and he's trying to hold me up because I was ready to go to the ground and he's trying to hold me up or he's freaking out and he's trying to just hold on to me. I don't know what's going on. And my buddy Jason's beside me and he's pretty tough. And, uh, but everybody starts making sounds like, ah, 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 ah. You know, you just you're just hearing that, and I'm. I apparently Jason said I let out some fucking sound, but I took in, you know, a breath, and it felt like it was burning my lungs oh, and my ears. Or you know, it just it feels like hell. Like you're gonna fucking die. And then finally the flap opens, and Chief's like, "Oh, there's other people waiting. So if you if you want to leave, you can leave." You know, because he was gonna do another round. So I'm fucking out of there, and. uh and then that night, of course, I'm just terrified because I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to get woken up again, 3.34 in the morning, and I'm going to have to go to the lodge, you know, and it's going to be 14 stone. Like, what the fuck? What are we doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> and I get into that lodge. It was nothing. Mm. 
Mm. It was totally, I prayed, I prayed all night. I prayed for compassion. I just prayed, 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 I prayed for compassion. Mm. I prayed for compassion. So I went into that lodge in the, the second morning and it was, was fine. It was, you know, it was warm, but it wasn't hot. And then, uh, and then that evening the same. And then, and then it was fine. Mm. You know, I got through it, but that terror, Mm. Uh, was a lot to overcome mm. and it just you're out of you you have no control over anything do you think that that the terror actually was contributed to the almost unbearable heat of course yeah mm. yeah yeah mm. i mean everybody's going through something mm especially your first year you don't you don't really know anything mm -hmm. i mean you you know but you don't you don't know how it works you don't know the routine you don't know what to expect and that's part of it mm -hmm. and uh and there's a lot of little things you have to do that you, you don't really realize until you get there there's a lot of work that you have to do during the day so it's it's the same thing they're just like middle of the day they're like workers workers and you, you you go into the arbor and you know and there's trucks there and you just get on the back of fucking some truck or some trailer and they're driving you out to the reservation you don't know where you're going you don't know what the fuck you're doing they don't tell you oh and uh you know you're i mean it's it's gonna be one of three things you're getting wood for the sweat lodge you're getting rocks for the sweat lodge you're getting uh uh branches to cover to shade help shade the arbor but it's it's physical labor and it's you know you don't know who's going to be in charge you don't know how it's going to go you don't know how long you're going to be out there like you don't know anything but you're a dancer for this uh-huh yeah. so when they call workers you're also a worker yeah they want the dancers so the the dance you got to work oh. four days of purification you sweat lodge first thing in the morning you sweat lo sweat lodge in the evening and then during the day, you're meant to be take a at least take a shift mm. and go out and do some work, two, three, four hours, something. Now, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done at your camp, so uh, you could be working at the camp. We we relaxed quite a bit our our camp. We you know because they were like workers, and I looked over at Eric, and he's like, eh, you know, whatever. You can work or you can not. Mm -hmm. And so we, we took, you know, we did work, but um, Eric's, you know, he's been, <laughs> he's earned the right to take it easy. He's got other things to worry about. Right. And I kind of felt that way. I'm like, I'm fucking 53. It's like, what the fucking kids handle it? <laughs> I've worked enough. I'm an elder. <laughs> uh, so it's just, yeah, you're, the whole environment of it is, is unsettling and it's intense and, and, the chiefs aren't, they're not nice. They're not, it's, it's very military style. Mm. Right. And it's it, not that they're not mean or not that they're mean, but they, they, it's just, you don't know what to expect, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a harshness. There's a harshness the way they, com they communicate. It's very direct. It's very brusque and they don't really give a fuck about your feelings. And, uh, and it's also, very they're very warm they're very they can be very tender and and there's a lot of humor and uh and also there's i think there's a little bit of you know this is how you pass the test mm, right you know, right i'm gonna give you some hot lodges we're gonna treat you like shit and your job is to fucking put up with it and keep your fucking mouth shut
take it. And if you can do that, then there's something on the other side for you. Mm. So I, I like that. Mm. I like that. Uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's a logic to it and, uh, I appreciate it. Mm. So there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of laughs and, uh, and then, yeah, and then the dance starts and, you know, it's the same thing. It's, you're, you're there. It's cold. First morning was freezing and you're all gathered around. There's a fire that they light on the, on the Saturday before purification that runs all, all through the dance and all through purification, all through the dance it goes on for, you know, 10, 12 days, I guess. And, uh, so you're all gathered. It's, it's before dawn. So it's pitch black. You 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 go out right as right as the sun. Not that the sun is on the horizon, but right when you see that first blue light of dawn, that's when you go out. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you gather, it's it's still pitch black, and you're all gathered around the fire. You know, everybody's in their outfits, and all the chiefs are there, and chief. Uh, Leonard Crowdog Jr. comes out and he's got his headdress on and gives a big speech and every morning and it's inspirational and challenging and beautiful and it's a thing and then you all march out together and and you're part of something that's bigger than you you're part of something that's ancient really and uh, you realize that uh, they've been having these types of ceremonies uh, forever you know whether it's the aztecs or the mayans or the incas like these ceremonies have been going on for a long 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 time and that you're you're part of something and that they have uh there's a there's an intelligence to them and they they tap you into whatever that is and it's very deep very very deep and uh and it's also very brutal and I think that's what I appreciate about it more than anything, especially in modern our modern life, is that it 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 puts you in touch with the brutality of of life. That life is there's a cruelty in these ceremonies, and there's a cruelty in the Native Americans as there's cruelty in all fucking cultures. But you know, the, the, again, the, I might get in shit for saying this, but I don't mean it as a judgment. I somehow it feels like it's more out hmm. and I like that it's not hidden it's not there's no pretending with like the way our modern culture like we pretend we're good and nice and we our cruelty is hidden it's in the shadows it's hmm. somehow I feel like their cruelty comes out more directly and it makes me almost trust it trust them and it makes me trust their love more hmm and there's something I don't I don't know. I, that's just my evaluation. I'm not making any you know broad statement. It's just it's my experience of it. It's not everyone, obviously. There's a million different kinds of people. Um, and then also, yeah, the piercings. You know, there's the you know you're pierced. Um, everybody gets pierced at some point, and uh, you know, I was pierced in the chest by chief. You know, with a scalpel, cuts two holes on each, you know, part of my chest. Just pulls out the skin and hole on one side, hole on the other. And then uh, a hole. Buffalo. A hole. Like a slit. 
Like that goes all the way through? Uh, well, the, the idea is that there is a, they have to be able to pass through a, uh, maybe a centimeter in diameter, uh, three quarters a centimeter. So I don't know, less than half an inch Buffalo bone peg Mm. through it. Right. So it's not small. (laughs) Yeah. It's not thin. It's not a fucking needle. It's, it's, you know, got some thickness to it. And that has to, they have to cut enough of a hole that that can pass through and is, and they sort of twist it. And then that's, and then you look down, you know, and then you've got these two Buffalo bone pegs that are, you know, attached to your chest by your skin, through your skin. And what did that feel like? It hurt. Like, a, like someone's cutting your fucking skin with a scalpel. <laughs> it fucking hurts. That's how it feels. People are like, oh, it's like a bee sting. I'm like, nah, I've had a bee sting. It's not, it's not a fucking bee sting. And, uh, but what are you going to do? This is what's happening. And so you just do it. And, uh, and then, you know, you pull down your rope from the tree and you know there's a whole it's a whole thing around it it's you know there's people there helping you and the music is going i mean you're in some altered state and then you you have this harness and you attach the rope to your pegs and then you you go through this ritual and eventually you you pull off and you make your flesh offering and then they come and they take the scalpel again and they cut whatever remaining flaps of skin are there and you put that in a little uh piece of fabric similar to the prayer ties and then you you bury that at the base of the tree and that's your flesh offering mm. and uh mm. that's that's the deal wow Mm-hmm. so i'm just having a memory of you talking about the possibility of doing this you know doing being a dancer like it was just the, the beginning of an idea of it. And and then you I remember you telling me something about the piercing and I was like, what the hell? No. <laughs> what? And that was several years ago. Yeah. And so I mean I'm just it's I'm just aware of like like you did it, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it all it all sounds I mean, it sounds crazy. And it is crazy, but when you're there, when you're in it, even as a spectator, as a witness, as a supporter, there is a logic to it. Like there's a coherence. It makes sense. It's not, it's just not some random act of Mm. barbarism. Like you feel the intelligence of it. You feel the why. Mm. Maybe you can't articulate exactly why. I'm not Mm. sure that I can, but you feel the why. Mm. And that that there's a reason that these ceremonies have persisted and why they're gaining more popularity and why people are coming from all over the world because there's something in them that's puts you in touch with some aspect of yourself some aspect of humanity that maybe has been lost and maybe that we need to reconnect to i feel that i i need to reconnect to it and i can't wait to go back next Mm -hmm. year i mean i i feel like I'm a Sundancer for life. Mm. I don't. I don't want to miss. I would never want to miss again. Uh, despite all the, I'm sure I'm going to go back, and the lodges are going to be hot, and I'm going to have another freak out, and I mean, all this stuff is going to happen, and you're going to have hot days, cold days. I mean, the cold is actually the thing that's 
the most disturbing. If it's cold in the morning and, and rain, you know, especially if it rains in the morning, that first morning rain, I mean, it was fucking cold. Mm. So all the, you know, thank God I, I had some experience with the Wim Hof, but the heat does also break you down. And it's, yeah, it's hardcore. I mean, it's, it's fucking hardcore. And yeah, the commitment is four years, but really it's, you know, they say it's for life. Mm. So, yeah. And you said that your your mom came. My mom came on the last day. Yeah, she lives three and a half hours away in Huron, South Dakota. And what was that like? Well, she's got a lot of experience with uh, living in South Dakota with Native Americans. So she worked for the Red Cross for a number of years, and she was the liaison to uh, Pine Ridge and Rosebud Reservations. So uh, she also worked at a school that was... Uh, owned and operated by native Americans. So she's got a great love and appreciation and it feels very comfortable around, uh, around native American culture. So she was happy to come and, uh, experience that she'd obviously never experienced Sundance before, but she was, yeah, she was totally blown away. Mm. And, uh, Tete was there with David Daniel. They were, they were there as part of my supporters and, and Tete's, you know, he took really good care of her. Mm. And brought her into the arbor and walked her around and, uh, uh, you know, yeah, she was, she was, she was into it. She was completely blown away and, um, yeah, it was nice having her there. I, I, I feel like, and just in her response to the, you know, the text that I got, um, you know, over the next few days from her, I could feel her excitement and, and maybe that she, under, maybe this is, could be my own projection, but it, you know that she she understood something about me, what I'm doing, what I'm about, in a way that she hadn't quite before. Mm. You know, I mean, you can't go to Sundance like if you come. It doesn't matter who it is. Like if you come and experience somebody that you know that's put themselves in that position. They've made the choice to put themselves through that, to participate in that. It will change how you see them. Yeah. It can't not. Right. Be, because you you can't not be in awe. Hmm. It just, and you're aware of that because you, I was in awe. Like you're in awe of all of the people that are out there when I was a supporter. Like, and, and there's all different kinds of people. Young, old, fat, skinny every kind of person you can imagine and they're all out there and you you the, the you know you you understand the commitment that they're making and what they're going through and how much they're going to suffer over the course of that those 4 days you just you have massive amounts of admiration and respect for for what what it is that they're doing for the commitment the sacrifice they're making so you know i was aware of that i was aware of how i was being witnessed and seen now, I don't, you know, from my own point of view, it's, I don't, I don't feel special because of it. It's the opposite. I just, it just, I feel very humbled by the experience, but I under, I also can hold how other people, um, are going to perceive and witness me in that place. I mean, I imagine that being your mom, I mean, I don't know, but on some level it must've been, um, even though she has a certain level of comfort, you know, with the Native Americans in this way, but to see your son, 
mm-hmm. like to see you specifically yeah. be a part of this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I just imagine that it was kind of mind blowing. Yeah. No, I, I think she was, her mind was blown. Oh. Yeah. Everybody's mind is blown at Sundance. Did you feel in that place? Did you feel a deeper connection with her? Yeah. 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 Felt, felt, felt good. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 I mean, there's I, there's a lot to say I, there's a lot to say and there's a lot I yeah it's hard to put into words mm. but yeah it's it, it, it yeah you're part of something you feel yeah you just that whatever that commitment is to the Sundance like yeah you feel like you're part of something very deep and profound and ancient. And it puts you into connection with a lot of things. It it, it feels like it puts you into connection with the, yeah, some just some deep aspects of of life, of the truth of of our existence. And and so Eric and Brisa, my you know, who I lodge with, like I I felt very humble. I was because now I know what they know. I mean, to some degree. I mean, they've been doing it a long time. But I realized, I was very humbled because I realized what I didn't know. All the assumptions that I've made. You know, I know I know a lot. I've been going to Lodge and I've done my vision quests and I know a lot of songs and I've been walking the red road. But I, I it was only once at Sundance where I realized like how little I actually knew. Mm-hmm. And how much they act, they must know because of this experience and, and how much they know and embody because of their commitment to it, to commitment to the red road, full, full commitment. And so you can see that all these people who have fully committed to the red road in this way, there's a kind of knowledge and a power, spiritual power that they have an understanding it's it's in, you can't comprehend it. it you know just the same way you can't comprehend you know uh, some monk who's in a cave for 15 years meditating like you a certain kind of power that they have it's it's the same thing uh so i felt yeah i feel very i thought i knew a lot i didn't, I didn't and i realized i didn't know fucking anything so now i know a lot more and i'm sure there's a lot more to know but what i know is feels powerful and deep and uh it's i understand why people i understand why the ceremony is the way it is i understand why people would not want to do this because it it does in my first vision quest you know i've talked about this before the the words that I heard on the fourth day were, this wasn't my vision exactly, but these, these, this was what I heard, which was there is no separation between the light and the dark. You know, it, I was looking down this, the, I guess the vision was looking down this dark tunnel that was the red road because really my first vision quest was, I was, I was trying to 
I was doing it to answer the question. Do I want to walk this fucking red road? Is this, do I want to do this? I don't know. And it looked down that tunnel is very dark tunnel. And the words that I heard, there is no separation between the light and the dark. It's one thing. And nature has no judgments or no preferences. Meaning between the light and the dark. Nature doesn't give a fuck. And God is not concerned with your suffering. So I could feel like I, cause in that moment I was suffering and God is okay. You're suffering. Like he's just with me mm-hmm. and that my free will is the choice I have to, of the meaning that I want to make of my suffering. Mm-hmm. And I understood that deeply. And, and then this, this tunnel that I was looking down, which is, you know, the razor's edge of the light and the dark, it was like, you're going to get cut. And I literally was cut. Mm. <laughs> I mean, literally with a scalpel <laughs> last, you know, two weeks ago. And now I, I, I understand those words in a much deeper way. And, and they're, they're, I feel like they're integrated in me in a much deeper way. And this is something that, you know, we, we, we've talked about and I, I, I preach in my work. You know, we talk about the lower self and embracing the shadow aspects and our, our cruelty and our desire for, to punish. And But there's a way that I, for me, again, it's just my own, not making any assertion about what the red road is. I'm just saying what my own feeling is, is, is that you're coming to terms with that true nature of life. Like that, that it's, it's not all love and light. It's cruel, it's dark, and we're in it right now. And I I feel the resistance, you know, to all the, I see there's a lot of darkness out there, there's a lot of unconsciousness, there's a lot of evil that I see in the world. And uh, and I want to defeat it, or I want to speak up against it, I want to name it. And what I'm hoping, uh, or what I feel that this experience has done for me is it's, it's, it's helping me accept it just is what it is. Mm. Like you're never going to escape this. Like evil is part of it. The darkness is part of it. It's, it's part of the cosmic mix and it exists outside of you and it exists in you. And, and there's a way in which, uh, you know, this goes back to the very beginning of the conversation about the, the, some of the negative transference that gets, put on me some you know some of it's legit but it's like i i'm not i'm not gonna feel shame about my evil i am evil i'm i'm good with that like it's in me and it's okay like it, 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 nature has no preference. Like I get to choose, but it's like, I'm not like, I, I just feel more connected to that part of me and, and more accepting mm. of my own capacity for cruelty. Mm. And, and that some, I want to, I guess this is the other thing that I want to own. Sometimes it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Must be. Mm-hmm. or wouldn't exist 
mm-hmm. so that what does that mean for the work we're doing? You know, I don't know. We're helping people transcend so they can live, you know, their, their, their shadow. So they can be good, you know, live in the light. I don't know. I think all you can do is be aware of it, but I don't know. It serves a purpose. I, I feel it. I feel, I feel that the moments where I've been, I, I felt my, I want to say, I felt the goodness in my cruelty. And I felt the, by the way, I felt the goodness in the cruelty that's come at me. Hmm. Hmm. Right? The, the intention to, to hurt. Like, it's like, okay. I mean, you know, there's something in it that's, I don't know, liberating. In what way? It's free. It's free to come. It's free. Yeah, it's free. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not in the shadows. It's not. Right. Uh, there's no shame. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, going back to Crow Dog. You know, this, this man is beloved. I mean, you can't believe the way that people talk about him. Right? Just the way that people talk about like John F. Kennedy or something. Just beloved. And I know from lots of people who spent a lot of time with him that, yeah, he was not always a, <laughs> he wasn't always a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Like the opposite, actually. He could be brutal and cruel and vicious and mean. Mm-hmm. And yet people loved him. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. And maybe that's part of the reason why that he gave himself permission to be fully alive, fully, you know, human. And you could say, oh, that's his trauma. I I don't know. Maybe. But we're all traumatized. Do you think that he was conscious? On some level. That's the feeling that I got. Like, so when, you know, Yoshi was, spent a lot of time around Crow Dog. It was his teacher. And we went to Vision Quest in Hawaii. It, 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 there was a lot of madness going on. And a lot of chaos. And there was a, there was a lot of, uh, uh, there was some a character in particular that Yoshi brought in who created a lot of disturbance and who was mean and cruel and um, disruptive. And it was, I wanted to kill this fucking guy. And a lot of people did. And, uh, and I didn't understand like what, what the, why would the fuck would you bring this guy here? You know, like we don't really need his help. Like, do we need, do we need it? Like he's creating all this upheaval and he's, he's a fucking asshole. And, uh, and Yoshi just sort of let it slide. He didn't do much or say much about it. And in the end, a lot of things happen. Um, but like we, the group, 
we we ended up you know kind of like these miracles that happen in our workshop if you just stay in the process something emerges and something gets healed something and it, it can only it's almost like it can only come up if you go through this like without this character none of the, none of the the deep healing that eventually happened for all of us all of us the whole group it would have it wouldn't have happened mm. it wouldn't have come up mm-hmm. so that i think that's the sense of i got that i got from the way yoshi talked about crodog yeah he would create this chaos and he would follow it inside himself and he would allow it but it would always somehow transmute or transform like something would happen Mm -hmm. that was magical and i think that's what we're encouraging people to do in our workshops that that's where i've got the most uh juice Mm -hmm. when i let myself go wherever Mm -hmm. and uh trusted it and let people feel the discomfort or anger or frustration or whatever it is they're feeling toward me. And if I can stay in my goodness, if I, if I can allow myself to not be shamed, then that person has to feel something. Now they may or may not feel it, but the opportunity is then there. Right? Yeah. It's like this story. There's a famous story where, uh, it's a Jewish father and his son. The son's, you know, six or something, five or six or seven. And he, he tells the son, it's like, oh, you know, they're on a, a set of stairs. And he tells the son to go up like two stairs and jump and I'll catch you. And so the son's, oh, okay. And he does it. And he goes, okay, now go up four stairs and, uh, and jump and the kid you know the kid's scared it's like you sure you're gonna catch me yeah i'm gonna catch you and the kid jumps you know dad catches him like now go up six stairs and uh and the kid he's like are you sure dad you're gonna catch me yeah i'm gonna catch you and then the kid jumps and the dad lets him fucking hit the ground and then the dad says to him never trust a jew (laughs) right (laughs) this is the story And it's, a, but it's a story of betrayal. It's, it's a story of the father trying to teach the son about betrayal. And it's a really interesting, you know, analysis of like, like the, the, in that moment, the father is cruel, but he stays with them. It's like, it's like, I'm going to betray you. You will be betrayed. Mm. And here's the lesson. And that's true. And even the places where I betray, can I hold on to my goodness? Like if we, if there's no right or wrong. Doesn't mean that we can't, we shouldn't make amends, we shouldn't take responsibility. Doesn't mean we let ourselves off the hook. But if I don't make myself bad, like what if I hit you? If you hit me? If I, we were in a fight and I hit you, just whacked you across the, the mouth, right? It's obviously a line has been crossed, right? 
man hitting a woman. Can't hit a woman. And what if, should I make myself bad? Should I shame myself? Like what if I didn't? What if I, what if I took responsibility for it, accepted, accepted whatever punishment came my way, understood that the impact of it, but what, like, I guess the question is what, what would happen if I didn't like, if I didn't shame myself, like, should I shame myself? It's a question. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you should shame yourself, mm -hmm. but you might feel a kind of shame that would maybe create a con kind of consciousness in you where you might not want to make that choice. And also that you would have to face whatever came right. as a result. Yeah. You know, like, mm -hmm. okay, you're in jail now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in jail. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. what, whatever that, that is, it's not, is that good or bad? You're in jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, well, it, maybe it's it neither. Nothing's good or bad. Right. Yeah. Like, how do we know? I guess is the question. Like these things happen all the time in the world and we, we characterize them as good or bad. And it's like, are they? Well, I had an experience while you were at Sundance mm -hmm. that I would like to share. That's that's so something... I'm not advocating hitting a woman. Obviously, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. We're just right. theorizing and trying to understand the concept of shame. But yes, you had an experience. Um. So I. I. I mean, I'm not sure. If I want to tell the whole story, but essentially what I got to, I was talking on the phone with Jana and, um, I was talking about this like free idea of forgiveness of my mother for my mother. So it's like a real forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And then I'm really asking God and Jesus for help to forgive your mother, to forgive my mother once and for all, just just I want to let there's something I still haven't fully let go of and I you know it's still there it's just somewhere in the recesses of my mind sometimes it comes more clearly you know it's like this something that I'm holding on to and um and I heard this message like in order for me to forgive my mom I have to completely let go of all of my lower self in in my, in relationship to my mom like all of it. And I could Im immediately feel, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not letting go of, and then I could just feel this place in me. It was like, I have hatred for my mother. Mm -hmm. I'm not letting that go because I haven't even fully had it yet. Right. It's, it's, it's still in me and I could feel it. And then I suddenly had this memory of me, I don't know how old I was. I was 10, 12, 14. I don't know how old, but I was old enough. And I was at the top of the stairs. My mom was at the bottom of the stairs and she was screaming at me. And then I screamed back at her, I hate you. Like I screamed it. 
And she came after me. She ran. And this is a, a nightmare I've had, you know, where I'm running around my house and someone's chasing me. But this was actually happening. Like my mom comes and she runs around the house. We're, we're running around. She's like trying to, to catch me. And then eventually I run into my bedroom and I, I start to shut the door and she, she opens it. And then I, I have nowhere else to go, but I'm on my bed and she grabs my foot and she tr- tries, she's trying to take my shoe off and I'm trying to hold on to my shoe and she, she takes it off. She grabs it off and she starts pounding me with the shoe. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't, I, I say, I'm not exactly sure how old I was. All I know was that I actually, like in the, I've, I've had this memory for a long time. I've shared about it with other people, you know, in therapy and stuff. But I, I suddenly had a really clear remembering. I was stronger than my mom at this point. I was taller than her. Like I could have gotten her off of me, but I didn't. I let her keep hitting me for a little while until eventually I then, then I, I, I pushed her off. I shoved her off and then she stopped and then she never hit me again after that. But there was something in the place where I kept letting her hit me Mm. and that there was some way in which I took in hating my mother is not allowed. You will be severely punished if you hate Hmm. And I could feel in that moment, it was like for that part of me, because, you know, all kids, everyone hates their parents. At some point, a feeling of hatred will come into your body and you'll be like, I hate you, mom. And if the parent is strong enough or, you know, has enough maturity and just is like, right, okay, kid. I mean, I hate you too sometimes, you know, but, but, but to just take it, to just allow yeah. the yeah. energy of mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. it then shifts like within seconds. It could mm-hmm. be like, sorry, mom, I actually really love you, you know, but in that moment, it was not allowed. That mm-hmm. energy was not allowed. Mm-hmm. So I learned to hide it, hide it so well that I didn't even, I wasn't even fully, fully aware of it until that moment that was whenever you were at Sundance. It was the same around the same time. And I was like, oh my God, I have this hatred inside of my body that hasn't, though I've, I've expressed it in, in at certain times during our training or, you know, in therapy, but at, on some level, I hadn't fully allowed myself to really, really go there. Hmm. And so I, it made me realize that so I, I just said to myself, and I said to that girl that, that lives inside of me, I was like, you're allowed to have your hatred. Mm-hmm. You can fully have it whenever you, whenever you want to, for ha- however long you, you need to hate your mother, you go right ahead. And I had this conversation with another friend of mine, and I told her about this. And she was like, Angela, anytime you're, you're hating, you just, just call me and just like, let the energy come out. And I have. Mm-hmm. Like when I have th- these moments, like I used to ha- always have these conversations in my head with my mom and it would be me screaming something, but it was the energy of hatred. And so I just like, once I realized I was like, okay, I'm just going to let myself have it. And in the last couple weeks, like I've, I've said to Ferd, like, I just need to tell you how much I hate my mom right now. And I'll, I'll just let myself have it. And then it's gone. Right. And what I realized 
was that in the place where I have not let myself have my hatred, it's also scary for me when the hatred comes at me, right. when it comes out. And so now I feel this place where I'm like, oh, I got to let it come. Just like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like feel the goodness of the cruelty. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just energy. It's mm-hmm. just let, let, let it come. Let it pass right through. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not even personal. It's no. just energy. Yeah. It's just like, mm-hmm. And if I can have that, then I can have what's behind that, which is what you've talked about, like in terms of the cruelty, you're, you can kill somebody from that place, you know, in the place where they are trying to kill you. Like if there is some way in which I am being trespassed. I can that the hatred that that like the yeah. energy yeah. of that is mm. it's like, you know, in the pathwork lectures, which mm-hmm. is what core energetics is part partly based on. Mm-hmm. The last path, pathwork lecture is positive aggression. Mm. Jesus Christ, you know, like the positive cr- aggression. And I read it and I was like, yeah, this that's right. The, the energy of the hatred or the aggression or the cruelty, the energy of that can be fueled for positive aggression. Mm-hmm. And, but you must have the part of you that's the lower self part first. You must have that in order to access this other place. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really feeling that. And so I'm, 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 I'm with you, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of it's like, it's not good or bad. It mm-hmm. just is. It, it just, just is. is. God's not judging me. God's not. Yeah. It just is. Well, nature doesn't prefer Gandhi over Hitler, and neither does God. Right? Right. And I want to say, um, like in the place of hatred, like if I can fully allow myself to have the energy or whatever it is, you know, whatever the feeling is, like mm-hmm. if I can allow myself to have that and I don't judge myself and I don't shame myself, it's just energy. Mm-hmm. But I don't want, my, my, I don't feel a desire to stay there. I don't mm-hmm. want to stay in the hatred. I'm not holding on to this energy. Mm-hmm. There is a way in which it's like I can feel the place where I do want to hold on to it as a way that I think that it's going to protect me. Mm-hmm. But I, but it doesn't feel good. Like it's not a, it's not like a, like I, I can feel like I don't want to stay there. So when, when you say like Gandhi or, Hitler. Mm-hmm. I'm not staying in a certain state. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I'm allowing the energy to move through. Mm-hmm. I understand, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I I think it's a what you're saying is a kind of uh, mentality or. Um, it's a it's a way of permission 
to allow whatever energy is there to exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that it, 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 it might serve a purpose. Right. I mean, the truth is it, Hitler gets a lot more run than Gandhi. Nobody gets more attention. Nobody's people are fascinated by the darkness, by evil. Why is that? I mean, I think they're also fascinated by Gandhi. Nobody talks about Gandhi. What? People talk about Hitler every fucking day. There's, I mean, <laughs> well, it's right all now. about. What do you mean, right now? Nobody cares about the good. Who's the best character in in uh, Star Wars? Yoda? No, Darth Vader. <laughs> we love the bad guys. Trump, obsessed with the quote unquote bad guys. The people who hold the evil. We're obsessed with uh, serial killers. There's a million shows on serial killers. That's 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 what we pay attention to. We look at the the, the Wild West, the people who killed the most people, right? Like, why is that? What I, is what is that? I think it's because um, there's a way in which the the energy wants to be projected outwards, and and turned into something bad. What do you mean? Like, if you can look at a serial killer mm -hmm. and you could like see like that's that's so that's so scary. That's mm -hmm. that's wrong. That's evil. That's bad. Mm -hmm. It's outside of you. Yeah. There's a way in which you don't have to take ownership of something inside of you. Yeah. No, I understand that. But why are we so fascinated by the darkness? Like why why? What 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 do you is there something that you're Well, I just I guess the point I'm just making a point like we talk about how much we don't want or like evil as a culture. That's a lie. We are fascinated with the most evil characters. We love violence. We love violence. Just turn on the TV. Watch a sports game. It's nothing but violence. And don't you think that that's because there's this energy inside of us? Yeah. That we're not allowing to come out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it comes out. It comes out. But it, it does come out. It comes out everywhere. It comes out all over the place comes out in homes all over the country people but, abusing each other abusing their children but not consciously not consciously but is it is 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 it is it a thing is consciousness a thing i think i think it's the thing don't you is there but is it's it's can we ever get there of course we can get there can we? Yeah. Why? I you think you have to work for it. I don't think I don't think consciousness is a, is is something that we can achieve. At all? No. no. I think I no. no, you're deluded right now. I'm no. deluded. You yeah. you believe that human beings can what? They become totally conscious of themselves? Not maybe I don't know about total consciousness, uh -huh. but we're working towards more consciousness. More? Yeah, more. More. And you're speaking on a very sort of general 
I'm saying if like once you accept the fact that we can't become fully conscious, all that you have is your instincts and your impulses. That's all you have. Right. And if you give yourself permission to have them all the time, it's just like, like, see what happens. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, we, 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 if we go back to the nature has no you're doing it right now. Well, na- doing what you're, 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 you're doing it right now. What am I doing? You're allowing yourself to go somewhere. Yeah. With me. What do you mean? If nature You're following has no, some impulse right yeah, now. Yeah, if nature yeah. has no judgments, no preferences. Like we we prefer the good over the bad. We prefer the light over the dark. But God doesn't. Right. Nature doesn't. They can't exist without each other. So the distortion is in the preference. Mm. Right. Okay. As soon as you prefer one over the other, you're in a distortion. Mm-hmm. And then you're actually more, you are then subject. That distortion makes you subject to evil because now you're unconscious. And the highest degree of consciousness is, is, isn't it just the acceptance of all things without judgment, just pure acceptance. I'm going to accept this as it is. Mm-hmm. Gandhi mm-hmm. was a beautiful man and liberated his people, freed them from bondage yes beautiful hitler was an evil man killed six million jews okay yeah just accept all as is Mm-hmm. isn't that the game isn't that nature isn't that god Isn't the striving for something part of the distortion? Isn't the desire to heal or become conscious also part of the distortion? Any attempt to do something or achieve something? Any any uh, assertion that one thing is greater than another thing? Isn't that part of the distortion that creates the evil? Everything just is. I mean, I... I understand what you're saying. I imagine yeah. that people who are listening, some people, yeah. are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just saying. But I, just a question. No, I understand what you're saying. I'm just wondering, like, is there another way to say it? I'm trying to. We're accepting everything as is. Yeah. I mean, I have this picture of Jesus on my mantle. And whenever I'm scared or confused or agitated or feeling lost, I, I, I look at this. It's the best picture of Jesus ever. And I, I searched far and wide. <laughs> and I found the best yeah. one. Because there's a look in his eyes that is f- very firm. Mm-hmm. But it's also just deeply accepting. And it's like, that's the message I get whenever I look at that picture. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, but this person is doing this or this group is doing that or this is, and he's just like, he's just with it. Mm-hmm. He's not judging it. He's not preferring one over the other. He's just with it. 
I'm like, okay, okay, just be with it. Be with it all. Be with all the madness in the world and all the madness inside yourself. No shame. No judgment, no preference. Just be with it. Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't that God? Isn't that enlightenment? Yeah, you're talking about the place that is not judging. Yeah. That's, that is what the red road is showing me. Me. I'm not, again, not saying what the red road is. I'm not making any pronouncements. I'm just saying my experience, my interpretation. And it's a, it's a lot to confront. It's a lot to accept. And I, I don't do it perfectly. I judge and prefer things all the time and make assertions that one thing is better than the other. But I think that's a distortion. It makes me think of um, that guy, Michael. What's his name? The, he wrote, oh my God, I'm forgetting that book, Surrender Experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the other book he wrote? The, uh, yeah, what the fuck? Uh, Michael Singer. Michael um, Singer, yeah. He, it reminds me of... Untethered um, Soul. Yes, exactly. And how, you know, he he got to a place where there was no preference. Yeah. He, it just, what, whatever, wherever life brought him. Right. He was like, oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going with this. I mm-hmm. don't like this, but I'm going with this because this is what life is presenting right mm-hmm. now. And he he just allowed himself to keep going that way, even at the point where there was someone in his company who had completely betrayed him. Right. And he had to go through years of courts and, you know, like he had been... Um, unfairly accused of uh, extorting money or something. Right. And, and it took him years and he just had to keep, you know, taking the next action that was presented to him mm-hmm. and letting go of any of the ego judgments. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't be having to do this or this is so unfair or any of that. It was just like, okay, this is what's happening. Next, 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 next. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I'm understanding for myself on. Well, you're in the one in the last podcast that said black people chose slavery. So what? <laughs> I mean, no, I no, I did not say that. that women choose to be. I did raped. not say that. I think that's what you said. I said, pretty sure that's what you there said. Is, on some level, mm. we have made a choice before yeah, you agreed with Kanye that slavery was a choice. I understand. <laughs> On some uh, level, there is a choice that we have made. Uh-huh. Well, we're all narcissists. I mean, this is the other thing. Life. It, who knows? This could, we could just be some avatar and then we die and we wake up and we realize we're just in a fucking video game. <laughs> we're like, whoa, dude. <laughs> I want to go back. I'll just do it again. <laughs> right. Kind of. Yeah. Like we take our suffering so fucking seriously. <laughs> That's the other thing that I, I got out there in the Sundance Arbor. It's like, get over yourself. Well, here's what I got. You know, I'm, I'm still deep in A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. 
And I understood something about suffering. And I, I like, like your words actually came into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. God does not care about your suffering. Yeah. And I was like, because there's something in, in Course of Miracles that said something similar, but not exactly that. Mm-hmm. God is not even in the suffering. God is in a different place. Right, right. God exists somewhere else yes. in your mind. It's a different part of your being. Yes. And you have to access that being. God, you could suffer all you want. Right, right. God doesn't care about your suffering right. in that way. Right. And so the work is to find where that other place is. I mean, that's what I'm... Well, it does. It does. I mean, the analogy I keep using is if you're watching some reality show like The Real Housewives. And on one level, I guess it's real, but the whole thing is essentially scripted. They know it's being filmed. They're acting shit out. Mm -hmm. And if you buy into that all the way, like, I can't believe what that person said. You know, that's how you react. You're insane. You're an insane person, right? It's a show. But that's what we do in our lives. Yeah. And we are essentially living in our own reality shows. None of this is fucking real. We're all wearing a mask. We're all acting out in certain ways. And so when we hold tightly to the story that we have in our lives, it's like believing in a scripted reality show and holding that tightly. And it's like, can I let, can I loosen the grip of my own, the own stories I have about my life? And all, all of all of it, mm-hmm. all, all of, of it, it, including your relationships, the love relationship, all of it. Can you just let it all be and understand that none of it is really real? Mm-hmm. I mean, the best way to play the game is to commit as though it's real, but to also understand simultaneously that none of it is really real and Mm -hmm. if you can hold that tension then you are in wizardry enlightenment something that's when i think reality becomes very malleable Mm -hmm. and you can make manifest anything that you want because you realize it's none of it's really real you become neo yeah that's exactly exactly Thank you. Thank you.